Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9 reads as follows. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So this is a bold statement from the Apostle Paul uh, to the church, and he just revealing the importance of sticking to the truth of the gospel. It's important to stay uh, within the scriptures, meaning stay within the lines of what the scripture is saying versus what the scriptures are not saying. It's not uh, enough for us to say, well, I had good intentions, so I was preaching heresy or I was teaching heresy. It is the obligation of all believers to rightly divide God's word. It doesn't matter if you sit in the last pew of the church or you sit in the front of the church. All Christians have been called to accurately divide God's word and to be able to interpret God's word and to be able to relay the truth of God's word. Uh, It's not enough for us to continue promoting or propagating things that are not in Scripture. Uh, Just being in church for all these many years, I've heard Christians make statements that are totally out of the realm of uh, Christian doctrine. So it's important uh, that when we tell others, thus said the Lord, based on Scripture, that we are interpreting the Scripture correctly. And we see the dangers of the uh, incorrect interpretation of Scripture uh, from just looking at American history. If you uh, look at uh, Joseph Smith and Mormonism, uh, Joseph Smith got away with uh, interpreting Scriptures incorrectly. Uh, He got away with uh, infusing the Bible with other ideologies And as a result, uh, he led many astray, and many are still being led astray. Charles Taze Russell, uh, same thing. Uh, Mr. Russell had issues with the doctrine of hell, and as a result, he started down the road of uh, eisegesis and putting in the scriptures what was not there. So here we are, all these years later, we have millions and millions of Jehovah Witnesses that have been deluded to believe 
that many of their teachings are truthful and accurate when in essence it's not. So uh, Paul himself says, whether it's we or an angel from heaven preach anything to you other than what you received before, let them be accursed. So even if I was preaching falsehood, God will hold me accountable. If you're preaching falsehood, God will hold you accountable. So in today's episode, I thought it would be in line, I thought it would be appropriate uh, for us to talk about introduction uh, to Bible study, introduction to Bible study. And this falls under the title of hermeneutics. And hermeneutics basically uh, means the science and art of biblical interpretation. Hermeneutics is the science and art of biblical interpretation. So in other words, uh, the correct way of interpreting the Bible. Um, We just can't approach the Bible from our own rationale and uh, think we're going to get out of the Bible everything we need to get. Uh, There's an approach to the Bible that must be followed, and this is called hermeneutics. Um, There's a book that you can look at uh, and is valuable to Bible students, or invaluable rather, and it's called um, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Uh, Yes, you can just uh, pick up your Bible, open it, and let gravity take you to a page, and you just uh, start reading and assume that you understand the whole thing. But I promise you, uh, if you that's your method of studying the Bible, you won't get out of it everything you need to get out of it. So if you want to make sure that you are getting out of the Bible what God wants you to get, you have to practice hermeneutics. And hermeneutics, uh, for those that are not familiar with this term, again, uh, is spelled H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S, hermeneutics, uh, H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S. And again, it's the science and art of biblical interpretation. And so uh, interpreting the scriptures correctly it's not just left up to the pastors. It's not just left up to your elders. It's not just left up to your deacons. It's not just left up to your Bible study teacher. But all Christians have an obligation to correctly divide God's Word. So it's important that uh, we learn how to int- uh, interpret God's Word correctly, especially living in uh, days such as, uh, such as this, uh, you have popular televangelists uh, who seem to be uh, nice and eloquent and uh, appear to know what they're talking about, but when you compare what they're saying to God's Word, oftentimes it's taken out of context. It's taken out of context, and context means everything when it comes to biblical interpretation. So before uh, we get started, or rather, uh, what I want to get started with is biblical languages. Biblical languages, and uh, for some of you all, this is uh, familiar, but for those uh, that are not familiar with it, it will be helpful to know that 
uh, our Bible was not written in English in terms of the original languages. It was not written in English, even though you can go to your local uh, Bible store and find all of these different translations, and most of them are in English because we live uh, in America. But the original languages were not in English. And any linguist will tell you that when you take uh, an original language and transfer it to the receptor language, it'll never cross over 100%. There's something within each culture, each language, that's unique to them in terms of how they use languages. So when you try to transfer it to a receptor language, you'll always lose something in the transference. So this is why it's important uh, when you are reading something that has been translated uh, to make sure that your version, based on the receptor language, is accurate. What linguists do is, or translators, they try their best to capture the sentiments of the original language. So what am I saying? The Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And for those of us who don't speak uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, we look at the English and we uh, go to our concordances and we try our best, or lexicons, and we try our best to uh, make sure that the English version is accurate. Um, one of the passages I use as an example is uh, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about you can't be a follower of mine, I'm paraphrasing, uh, if you don't hate your mother or father. Well, if you look at it on the English level, that doesn't make sense. You mean if I don't hate my mother or father, I can't follow Jesus? But that's what happens in the English. In the English, it seems to be one way. But in the original language, that word for hate is loveless. Loveless. So what Jesus is saying is, if you don't love less your mother or father as, as it relates to me and you, then you can't be a follower of mine. Jesus has to come to be number one. Jesus has to be first. So if Jesus is first, your mother and father have to come after him. So you have to love me more than anything else or anyone else. And so that's what Jesus is saying. And this is important because if we don't un- fully understand how biblical language, languages work, then we find ourselves misinterpreting the scriptures. And this is the case with many cults, uh, many organizations that uh, use the Bible, but they interpret it differently for their own use. But we as believers, the duty has fallen on us to make sure that we are able to correctly Uh, divide God's word. Uh, Many of us are familiar with uh, Hebrew in terms of the majority of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. Uh, It's also written in Aramaic. And Aramaic uh, is or was a Semitic dialect spoken as far back as 
uh, even the ninth, ninth century B.C., uh, 800 B.C. It came from the Armenians of Syria, which is the uh, northern region of Syria, and is closely associated with the Hebrew language as found in the Old Testament. So Aramaic and Hebrew are cousins, uh, such as Genesis 31 and 47. You find your Aramaic passages there, Ezra 4 and 8. Uh, you find Aramaic languages there, um, Ezra chapter 7, verses 12 through 26, as well as Daniel 2 and 4, uh, even Jeremiah 10 uh, and verses 10 through 11 of Jeremiah, of cha- uh, chapter 10, verses 10 through 11 of Jeremiah again, you'll find Aramaic um, verses there. So, again, the Bible is written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Now, that's our foundation. So, if we want to know what a text means, we ultimately uh, must include the original lexicons, or we must go back to these uh, concordance and do a word study and find out what that word meant in that culture. What I often hear uh, I hear Christians say, well, this is what the text means to me. Please don't take this the wrong way. But it really doesn't matter what the text means to you. The first question or the first order of business as it relates to interpreting the Bible is, what did the text mean to the original audience? Then, once we're able to deduce what the text meant to the original audience, then the next question is, what is the transcendent principle that applies to all believers? So the first question is, what did the text mean to the original audience? Then once we figure that out, we free, we, then we move to the prescriptive principle that applies to all, of, uh, all believers. So we start off with the original audience, then from that principle or the message to the original audience, we extrapolate what is God saying to all of humanity? What is God saying to everybody else that reads it? Um, Some messages are specific to individuals and not intended to be replicated. For example, God's calling to Moses uh, to go to Egypt. There are certain things God told Moses that wasn't intended to be replicated. It was just from Moses alone. There's some things that God did with Joshua that wasn't meant to be replicated. That was just for Joshua. So that wasn't intended to be prescriptive. Uh, those, those things that are specific in time and to those individuals, those are descriptive texts. Again, those are descriptive texts. But those things that are for all of humanity, for example, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, that's for all Christians. And how do we know that? Because we find it supported throughout the Bible that Christians should always pray. There's no one time of prayer. There's, there's no restrictions of the quantity of prayer, unlike some other religions. Christians ought to always pray. So we know for certain, if we want to know something is for all Christians, 
we normally find verses that's, uh, other verses and other passages that supports it. So it's very important uh, in terms of uh, word study that we find ourselves um, getting into what the Bible is actually saying versus what we've heard in church versus what somebody else told us. But we need to observe for ourselves what's, what the text is actually saying. Uh, sometimes I hear ministers uh, that are very good, but every now and then they may say something that's inconsistent with sound doctrine. So we have to make sure that we are studying so we can test the Spirit by the Spirit. And I challenge you, even the things that I say, uh, for you to go back and investigate. Um, Because, again, you want to make sure that what I'm saying is consistent with Scripture and not uh, just, just based on flowery words. Then another thing that we should think about is um, the literature of the Old Testament, uh, which is ri- a written form of oral communication. Um, so back in the Old Testament, um, their communication was mostly done orally. Uh, there wasn't uh, a lot of things being written down except for by the scribes. And so uh, it's important that we learn the literary genres, literary genres. So what, what do I mean by that? What I'm talking about is uh, when you're reading a book, is it apocalyptic, right? Like Revelations and the book of Daniel. Uh, what type of book is it? Um, the book of Acts is historical, uh, knowing that helps us, that it's a historical book. And by genre, we, are, we mean literary type, right? What type of literature is it? And understanding the genre of a particular body of work will help us or help the reader to better understand the overall scope and intent of the author, right? Why, why did Daniel uh, find it necessary to include apocalyptic imagery in his writing? Why did John uh, find it necessary while he was on Patmos uh, to write it in apocalyptic uh, genre? So, in short, understanding genre will help you to understand the rule of the game. Is the text intended to be taken literary or allegorically? Right? People ask me sometimes, uh, how should we read the Bible? And my response is, you read the Bible uh, literally until the text itself tells you different. Uh, The text itself will tell you if the author intends for it to be allegorical or literal uh, or or, or figurative. So it's important to know the types of genres as you uh, approach the various books of the Bible. Again, is it apocalyptic, like Daniel and the book of Revelations? Is Is it poetic, like Psalms, parts of Psalms and Proverbs? Is a narrative like Genesis, Exodus, Esther, and Ruth? Is it historical like the book of Chronicles, book of Acts, even uh, the beginning chapter of Matthew uh, captures uh, the historical aspect? So is it romantic like the Song of Solomon? Or is it uh, a a wisdom uh, genre such as the book of Proverbs? So knowing the genres really 
helps, helps us in our approach to the text. Because uh, reading, uh, knowing the genres will help you to approach it in the appropriate way. So if I'm reading an apocalyptic text, I know that there's going to be imageries that I have to connect with the true meaning. If I'm reading a poetic uh, text, I know there's going to be a lot of metaphors and similes. And uh, when I'm translating, it'll help me in that endeavor. If it's narrative, like the book of Genesis, just so f- it's filled with a lot of uh, narratives, a lot of stories. Uh, for example, the Joseph narrative um, is, is important if, if I'm going to approach that text to know that if, uh, that it's, uh, if it's narrative, poetic, apocalyptic, and so forth. It's a historical, like the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts was intended to capture the historicity of the working of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the apostles. So um, it, it's, it's important that we go and approach each book based on the intent of the author. Uh, I, I always tell people, let me say this, uh, we don't, when it comes to Christian living and what Christians ought to do in terms of uh, lifestyle, uh, the book, we, we shouldn't go to the book of Acts first. The book of Acts, again, it's a historical book. If we want to deal with Christian lifestyle, we must go to the, the epistles. That's what the epistles were written for. That's the primary source. Then after you approach the epistles, can you find something in the book of Acts in terms of lifestyle? Yes, but that's not the primary focus of why uh, Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. So it's important that we understand the genre of each book so we can properly approach the book and be effective in our interpretation. Then the next question is, um, we need to consider how the book or uh, the, the letter is constructed. How is it put together? Right? We have to consider the theme. We have to consider the plot. We have to consider if it's poetic. Then consider the motifs. And the motifs are an idea that persists throughout the literature. Motifs, M-O-T-I-F-S, M-O-T-I-F-S. Again, it's an idea that persists throughout the literature. And I'll give you an example. Um, If you look at uh, the blessings from Genesis, it was the uh, younger who was chosen over the older. And all, you find that all through uh, the Bible. Uh, Cain and Abel, right? The younger Abel was chosen uh, over the older. And if you look at the story of David, it was the younger chosen over the older. And you find other instances of that in the scriptures uh, in, in terms of a motif. It's an idea that persists throughout scripture. And God has a reason for that. And so um, we've run out of time, but next week or our next session, uh, we'll deal with uh, introduction to the Bible and how to get the most out of the Bible based on interpretation and based on what we need to do to uh, make sure that we're accurately interpreting the scriptures. Amen. And again, we thank you all for your prayers, and we encourage you to become a financial 
a supporter or partner of Sound Reason Ministries, you can go to our, our website, srministries.org, or mail us P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. And again, continue to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.